play it safe I might play a little dirty someday And I'm following faith They say I'm the chosen one I know what it takes to be a king And be the song everybody wanna sing What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ain't Nothing Gonna Stop This One Dream. Ain't Nothing Gonna Stop This One Dream. Thank you, everybody, for tuning back in. Man, I think I talked about how last week, this week, we were going to be talking about the first instances of meeting with Singapore and everything that entailed. And uh, and I refer to them collectively as Singapore. Really, it's more than one person. It's a company. And uh, it is... It is interesting how everything came to be, right? I just I don't I don't think any of us really on either side was prepared for uh, each other. I guess would be the exact way to put that. You know, we had a deadline of June the sixth, right? June the sixth was our deadline to find money, and we were scrambling, and we didn't know which way to turn, and we had no surefire answers, and we weren't sure we were going to make the deadline, but. Singapore more and more had been ramping up the rhetoric that they were interested in doing something with us. The caveat was that they were going to be coming in town on June the 9th, three days after our expiration date. Obviously, three days isn't that much of a setback when you consider everything that had been going on. So we pretty much accepted it for what it was, and we were going to try and run with it, right? So... At this point, we had a lot of irons in the fires, but none of them were really steaming. And this was probably the hottest iron we had in the fire. So it was all about how to make the situation work, right? Because, well, let me explain it to you this way. So they came to the United States and we were in a meeting room. We sit down in the meeting room and uh, it's it's a collective group of employees on their side. And then uh, it's John, John Borden, and who's actually employed by him at the time. And then it was myself. And so it was this, I don't know how to describe it, but it was very much a me versus them kind of mentality, right? Because I was fighting for, uh, you know, really to, to maximize everything I could possibly get out of the deal. Uh, John was fighting to make sure a deal got done and they were fighting for their best interest in the deal. And it was Actually, a little bit, you go into these types of meetings with all kinds of goals and mentality and you've practiced and you've looked in the mirror and you've talked to yourself and you've explained how you're going to handle this situation. And then when they start talking, you're going to answer with this kind of situation. And when you're sitting down in those rooms, you could pretty much garble that up into a sheet of paper and chunk it right out the window because that is not what happens. 
no matter how much preparation you put into it, when you're sitting across face-to-face from someone and you're asking for a significant amount of money and you have to tell them why you deserve their money and why they should believe in you and why your dream is better than anybody else's they've ever come across, you kind of lose sight of everything else. And it's almost like survival of the fittest. It's just kick, claw, scratch, fight, pick up a crowbar and swing it every step of the way. Now, granted, we're in a meeting room and there's no reason for me to be picking up a crowbar and swinging it at this point. But I think it paints the picture of just how intense it is. It's very intense. But they were so friendly, and I think the most disarming part of it all was one of the initial things that said they said was, we have no interest in being a fertilizer company. And, and while some people may take that as a negative, like, okay, well, then why are you sitting here talking to me? Well, in reality, the truth is that's exactly what you want. Well, at least from my perspective, that was exactly what we wanted because if they did not want to be a fertilizer company, then I didn't have to worry about them really walking away from me because if they don't want to be a fertilizer company, but I do, but they do want to invest in me, then you know they kind of allow me to handle being a fertilizer company and they just worry about diversifying their portfolio. At least that was the way I was looking at it. I was trying to make positive out of a situation, I guess. I don't know, but I I did. I took it as a positive. And and then we kind of, we talked about the details, you know? So um, a lot of the details that were important to us were to make sure that we couldn't be forced out without any kind of uh, protection system in place, right? So just because somebody has a bad day at work, they can't come into the office and like, uh, you know, we're pulling the plug on the project. Uh, you're fired and good luck out there in your next endeavor, whatever that may be. You had to protect yourself from that. And then, of course, the nitty gritty details of like financial responsibility. Who gets paid what, when? Because ultimately, when it comes down to any startup, the, I mean, when, it, when you really get down into it and the most basic of basic things... All anybody wants to find out is when are, when are we going to get paid? And then kind of the other part of this too was finding out, you know, what is your exit strategy? Because for most people that we dealt with, that was a lot of times what they asked us, what is your exit strategy? What is my exit strategy? How quickly do you want, do you foresee turning a profit and selling your business? Because their interest, most investors' interest, is going to be getting that quick 10x return on investment, 8x return on investment, 5x return on investment. And so I kind of flipped the script and I asked them, you know, well, what do you foresee your exit strategy being? And the answer, again, was we want to be in the business for as long as possible and as, develop as much market share as possible. You know, for me, when I hear something like that, I hear job security, and I'm not one that wants to retire early and walk away. So for me, that was big, right? Because I mean, when I look about what who I am and what I'm what I'm doing, I don't really have a whole lot of skill sets outside of turf and ornamental. I was a pretty decent applicator. 
and I've done a fairly decent job of designing products, even though we have run into chemistry issues and stuff that were entirely my fault because I'm not a chemist. But, you know, I mean, I've kind of solidified myself and my career in this space and not really out of it. And for me to have to start over right now and something outside of this would be, truthfully, it'd be really traumatic for me. And I just would not want to do it at all. So I, you know, I need this to work as long as possible. And if it's going to work for a long period of time, then it has to be around for a long period of time. And frankly, after going through the startup process and taking the amount of time and blood and sweat and tears it takes to turn something into a successful business, I'm not sure I would ever really feel good about walking away. So when I hear that they want to stay in this business for as long as possible and capture as much market share as possible and see just how far we can take this company, now I'm getting really excited. And then it kind of came down to this, where... You know, we, we had the meeting and we finished the meeting. We go through, the, uh, you know, that the weekend that they were there. And I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll never forget, you know, John and I talking about it afterwards. And, and John was like, yeah, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, hey, you know, I, th- I mean, everything sounds great. Everything sounds great. And in kind of a follow-up conversation with them, the the big the big hammer home point was if you're interested in doing this, we're interested in supporting you. If you're not interested in doing this, then we have no reason to even pursue that pursue anything in this industry. So we're on board if you're on board. If you're not on board, no harm, no foul, we'll head our own way. And what they really stressed was that they wanted to give John Borden and myself the opportunity to to fly. It's like kicking a kicking a baby bird out of the nest, you know. It's like here, well, we'll get you everything you need to get going, and then we're gonna kick you out of your nest, and then it's your responsibility to either fly or, you know, land on the concrete and be consumed by a neighborhood dog walking by or a vulture. And you know, as we developed the relationship, and okay, so there we go. That was the that was the deal, right? And then we looked at it from like a strategic partnership standpoint, um, and and it was a little difficult because they're on the other side of the earth, so uh, there's always a communication time gap, and uh, a lot of the things they do over there business wise doesn't necessarily parlay to what we do here in the United States. So there's there's some cultural gaps there we have to overcome. And it really, um, how do I put this? How do I put this? It, we developed a, a relationship that felt very much like, and, and please understand when I say this, I say this with kindness. It was almost as if, you know, John and I were encouraged, encouraged to be, you know, John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. Because John and I aren't really, you know, pioneers of the fertilizer industry, right? We're a couple of outsiders that were encouraged to go march west and go pioneer the west, right? So go go explore. Go figure it out. They said, we got your back. You go get it done. 
because we think y'all have the fire to get it done. And in terms of what you expect from a partner, I don't think you could ask for really anything other than that. Because that's a pretty bold statement of taking two people, one you do have a relationship with, one you just met for the first time, and you say, yeah, we will provide you the funding to do it. Now you go get it done. And if you need help in the process, let us know. If not, take down as many people as you possibly can. I don't think any of us were prepared for that. And, and, and now, granted, it wasn't just like willy-nilly, you know, hey, here's, here's a company credit card, go take over the world. It wasn't anything like that. You know, there's lots of structure in place. There's lots of processes in place. And they have a completely different accounting system over there that we have to do both, you know, United States accounting and global accounting. And so there's some difficulties there. And there's a lot of operating procedures we have to follow for each individual thing we do. But... I mean, for the most part, we, we were encouraged like, hey, gunslingers, go get it done. Go get it done. You want to stab at, at trying to make a name for yourself in the, in the fertilizer industry? We can offer you a financial blanket. If you do things accurately and you do things the way you're supposed to, go get it done. And we'll be on your side. Go figure it out. And so really it forced John and I to kind of take a look in the mirror and make the determination, okay, now what? Do we just run it? I mean, what what do we do? (laughs) So to be given kind of the reins like that all at one time to say was, I guess, I guess we just didn't expect it. I I just, I don't think anybody expected it. And everybody we had talked to told us like, yeah, don't expect that because that's not how this works. But that's exactly how it worked for us. And so we were off to the races and Everything we had done to that point was, it was actually going to come true. So all the work John and everybody else had put into designing the plant, all of a sudden we could call those manufacturers and equipment suppliers and say, hey, uh, send us a PO that we can sign and we'll send you a down payment. And over and over, we kept thinking back, like, you know, where where should we be in the company space, right? Like in the in the in the fertilizer manufacturing world, where should we be? Because we're small guy comparatively, we're not doing hundreds of thousands of tons a year. You know, we're not Coke Industries, we're not Lebanon Seaboard, we're not the Andersons. We're not Simplot, we're not Rainbow Plant Food. We're just a little small niche company right here in the middle of Calhoun, Kentucky. So what exactly do we want to do? But the one thing we knew we had was we knew we had a process that could deliver a product that worked well. 
And so we kind of made the determination right then and there that, you know, this first year we were going to, we were going to grow as much as we could, but we were going to stop shy of anything that would put us out there uh, too much, so to speak, because we still had a lot to learn. You know, again, we're not from this industry. You know, we don't have the money and the 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 revenue and uh, the reputation of someone like Harold's or someone like Howard's. I mean, really, we're just we're a couple of guys in you know the middle of of Tennessee that are just out here, you know, kind of kind of chasing a wild ass dream. So we didn't want to make. We wanted to make a lot of noise, but we didn't want to come out and just really bury ourselves too fast, which was entirely possible. And, and anybody that knows me well knows I'm perfectly capable of that because uh, I am so overly emotional about everything that I can get us into hairy situations quickly. And so once we kind of had that determination, it was like, okay, well, now let's just start telling everybody about how real it is. And so we did, you know, we kind of went on a, on a campaign and just talking about, guess what? It's done. Uh, and, and, you know, so this is, this is June, right? Or July timeframe. And, you know, we start sending off orders and, and then, you know, we formed the company, we formed the company Carbon Earth at the time it was going to be Elemix, right? And so we, uh, we formed a, a joint venture between, you know, myself and John Borden and, and, uh, our, our investors now. And I'll never forget those first few nights sleeping after, and, and you have to remember, during the whole planning process, it's every night, nothing but spreadsheets, late night phone calls. And, I, you know, during the investor search, it's, it's, you know, spending an hour and a half on the phone with John Borden and then turn around and spend an hour and a half on the phone with Sean Stockman. And then during the daytime, you know, I'm out treating lawns and, uh, you know, any kind of break I get, I call someone to talk to them about, you know, this new product that may come out. And so there wasn't really a whole lot of time for sleep or, or you know, worry or complaining, you know, really about anything because, you know, I got the two kids at home, let them go to bed. And then, uh, you know, you sit in front of the computer and grind it out. But for the first time, it seemed like everything was actually coming to fruition, and and it was good, and I slept well, and I hated knowing that I was going to have to give up my fertilizer company, but as we began getting more and more into it, right? So June became July and July became August. And it was right then in August where it just became ever apparent, like this is beginning to be a nightmare, like an absolute nightmare. And I'm still trying to get out and aerate and oversee some yards. And, um, and it just, it was not, it was not going real well. Uh, his equipment was constantly breaking or somebody was breaking equipment and it just, oh man, I'll never forget that. It was, it was really, really painful. And then even the employee right in the middle of it, he just decided to up and quit and was like, nah, I'm good. I can't handle it. It's too stressful, uh, trying to do this. So I'm, I'm out. I'm like, golly, man. So 
we limped our way through aeration and overseed. And then I put the, the business up for sale and, uh, and, and really just got rid of it as quick as humanly possible and gave the money to uh, sister and brother-in-law. Didn't even keep a dollar out of it. Said, here, y'all take it, go, uh, good luck. And, uh, and so I could, I could focus on, on this because really it was such, it is such a once in a lifetime opportunity. You just don't really have time to focus on anything else. It's, is you get one chance to make this happen or, you, you know, you're pretty much all kiss it goodbye. And, you know, maybe you get an opportunity again before you die. Maybe not. And so, you know, Singapore. And it was, it was kind of, it took a while for the relationship to develop, right? Because, you know, we were on one track, right? So, you know, John's super involved in the day-to-day planning and, uh, you're getting everything organized for the equipment manufacturers to show up and uh, what they're actually going to be showing up with. And then, you know, me on the flip side, I'm trying to, de- you know, develop a product for basically from scratch. We had an idea of where we wanted it to be and then looking at the analysis and then pricing it and seeing what the final price would be, we would be all over the map, right? Well, this is coming in too expensive. So, I'm going to have to find a different raw ingredient here to try and drive this cost down so that way we can be more palatable across the industry for fertilizers that are currently out there. Because we knew if we could at least compete with the uh, even the upper echelon in products that, you know, if we could get people to just apply it and they could see the results, we knew we would be in a winning position. It may not be some, and you know, there's going to be people out there that the only thing they're going to put down is a $13 bag of fertilizer, and that's fine. That is fine. We are not looking to capitalize on 99% of the market. We're looking to capitalize on 1% of the market. <laughs> and so we never really had time from the get-go to establish a, a relationship with with Singapore. It was just, it was 100%, 100 miles an hour from day one. And, and, you know, there was hiccups, right? We had to work through a lot of things. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of it is just it are things that we didn't understand, right? Because uh, there are things like um, uh, currency valuations that you have to take into account, right? So if they're going to move money from the United States to America, uh, you, you know, you want to do so when um, the, the value of the dollar is right. So that way you get the most money out of your Singaporean dollars when it transfers to the United States, right? So there's all these little odd things that you, you think you understand before you get into this situation, but you don't really understand. Uh, and then nuances like chain of command, right? So who do you talk to when you have a problem? Do you go to this person? Do you go to this person? Or do you start at the most basic level, this person, and then let it work its way up that way? And so, honestly, that has taken over a year for us to really, to really figure it out. And 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 we are our relationship now is so much more different than it was then. And um, and I think our relationship is much more effective now than it was then. It's not that we ever had a bad relationship. It's just it wasn't very effective. Where. We couldn't get done what we were supposed to get done because we did not have a firm understanding of where each party lied on a given situation. And now that we got that figured out, it's been it's been a lot more fun. And having them as a partner has actually been really awesome because of how much they encourage us 
to take life by the horns and get shit done. You know, when John was developing this process and he would, he would tell me, he would say, you know, Matt, nobody else is making this product and there's probably a reason for it. And I think he was alluding to the fact that it's, it's actually very difficult to manufacture. There's a lot of odds and ends that have to take place. There's a lot of time that has to pass from um, when you start with your raw material until you have your final product. There's a lot of steps in between there. There's a lot of ingredients that we work with, a lot of raw material procurement. I think the fact that, I think Singapore was able to look at that and see how much of a difficult product we are. Because, because listen, when it comes down to it, I wish I could say I was smart enough. I wish John could, could say he was smart enough that he could come up with this idea all on his own. Nobody else has ever thought about it. We invented this, so on, so forth, blah, 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 blah. And maybe we did, but what it really comes down to is that manufacturing this product sucks. It absolutely sucks every step of the way. It's difficult. You're dealing with a lot of corrosive materials. You're dealing with things that have wide fluctuations in either pH or even salt indexes. You're having to deal with compost. You're having to deal with carbon. You're having to deal with dust. You're having to deal with particle size reduction. You're having to deal with dryers. You're having to deal with blenders. You're having to deal with mixers. You're having to deal with screens. You're having to deal with ladder logic and all the programming that goes into it to make sure each piece of equipment communicates with the other before it decides to do something or it makes a real-time decision to change because of whatever is happening ahead of it. It is not a fun project to manufacture. I mean, if you looked at our, our control panels, I mean, they're just jammed full of electronics. I mean, the number of conveyors we have in our place, dozens, multiple dozens. You look at the sheer number of motors we have in our place, even more dozens. You look at the, some of the size of equipment we have, you know, 120, 140, 50 horsepower motors, electric motors, natural gas, having to run all that. It's doable. Anybody could do it. I mean, Coke could do it. Any of the big guys could do it, but they're not. They're not doing it because, one, they don't see the need because they don't think that there's a market for it, and two, because the reward versus the amount of effort that goes into manufacturing it is so low. And so whether Singapore knew it or not, that was what John and I saw. And really, it was John who painted that picture for me. I never would have even noticed it because I was like, of course, everybody wants it. It's, it's carbon and it's, it's poultry manure. Everybody wants this. There's no other way around it. But I really think about the number of poultry, poultry manure uh, granulators out there. There's a lot. There's a lot. And so with me realizing that the big boys probably didn't do it because they didn't see the challenge as rewarding enough. I think that drove me even further. I think it, I think it drove John even further. And even the people that would make comments like, there, I know there was a person who said there was no way, there was no way we could get this plan up and built and running. And John, to this day, still talks to me about that. Do you remember when that person said that to me? There was no way we could get it going. Well, yeah, I remember. I remember very clearly. 
but you know we had we had the support we had the financial support we had the we had the internal support and we had a very very strong will to get it done and so john and i kind of adopted these personalities of being uh, gunslingers if you will we kind of adopted the mentality that we were going to be the rebels of the fertilizer industry. And I'm not going to be re- mean rebels in the sense that we're trying to undo or, or, you know, rewrite the rules of fertility. I mean, because, you know, when it comes to growing, to rewrite the, you know, when it comes down to it, we're not going to rewrite the rules of growing grass, right? I mean, MPK is MPK is MPK MPK. You know, where you get your variances is how do you deliver your MPK? But instead, we adopted this mentality of being, I don't know, a chip on our shoulders, an attitude in our step, an attitude in our walk, and some borderline fearless recklessness. And I don't mean reckless in the sense that, you know, we're going to be on the verge of you going to jail, but I mean reckless in the sense that sometimes you have to duck your head and run headfirst into a situation and run the risk of knocking yourself out because if it hits, you win, and if you miss the opportunity, you lose. And one thing that became clear is that Singapore wanted us to have that opportunity because they had no interest in being in fertilizer, but they did have an interest in watching us become a fertilizer company because they did have the interest in us being the rebels of the industry and fighting from the bottom as hard, as aggressively, as angrily, and as strong as we possibly could. All right, everybody, thank you for listening in. That's going to conclude it for this week. So we made it through that point. We are going. We are up and running. Now it's time to, you know, we're going to talk about the people, the next round of people that come in to make this a reality. We got a lot more people coming up, so stick around for that. I hope everybody's going to the GIE this weekend. I'm going to go ahead and mention it on here, even though this is kind of a timeless part. But, you know, I think uh, GIE is a perfect extension for this story here. You know, that's where we started. That's where we came out. And that's uh, that's where we made a name for ourselves. And I'll tell you right now, we did a good job of making a good name for ourselves. And we did a good job of making a bad name for ourselves. And, uh, you know, I think we can, we can kind of turn to uh, Singapore and thank them for giving us the flexibility, the opportunity, and the freedom to be able to both make a name for ourselves and give us enough rope to hang ourselves to. They told me I was never getting by, but those words.
just couldn't take the heart I knew the day will come Be the chosen one yeah. I never had a safe place Next week we're getting into more people and we're going to start talking about oh, having to deal with manufacturers that supply us the equipment and uh, a little bit of fun and everything in between yeah, and then we can start getting into the really fun stuff like making bags of fertilizer do crazy stuff I was born Thank y'all for listening. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. We'll come back next week for the next episode of One Dream on Grass Factor. I was born to be something greater, something higher. Ain't no gonna stop this fire.